I'm going to read here a short portion of Scripture, John chapter 2, starting with verse 1. And then we're going to pray. And uh, if you're there with me, say amen. Chapter 2, verse 1. And the Scripture says, In the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You know, I want to stop for just a second and say that the Catholics have made Mary a mediator between man and God. But Mary's not a mediator. Jesus is the only mediator. And uh, this was one of the last things that she said and spoke recorded in the Word of God. Now she shows up again, the foot of the cross. She shows up again in the book of Acts in the upper room, but she's not saying anything. But the last word she said was, do what He tells you to do. Amen. She never made herself equal with God. She never made herself the mediator. She steps back and says, Go straight to him and do what he tells you to do. Amen. But uh, uh, his mother said unto him, unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three fur skins apiece. About 20 gallon bottles there or jugs. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bore it or bear it out. And when the rulers of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. I want to just speak to you tonight on this thought, the servants of wine. The servants of wine. And uh, let's pray over the word and then we'll get right into it. Father, I thank you for this great privilege and honor to be here, to come and to break open your word and preach it tonight. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that you will just minister through me as your instrument and your vessel. And God, that I will be a servant of the wine, Lord. You will use me as you've poured into me to pour out to the body of Christ. And Lord, that it will be a refreshing blessing, God, and an encouragement to them. And God, we'll give you all the glory and honor. We thank you for it. Bless the word. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. Now, as I said, I'm preaching this thought, the servants of wine. You know, it's been an incredible, incredible four days. Beautiful four days. God did so much. God said so much to us. I don't think I've heard an evangelist that was so prolific in all my life. And um, he has a different style of ministry and, and, um, and ministration or, uh, you know, the way that he 
begins to preach and deliver the message. And God said a lot to us. It was very encouraging. And, uh, and God did a lot. He revealed so much. And probably uh, one of the greatest revivals in our history. I really believe that and feel that. And, um, uh, but with that being said, I asked the Lord. I said, where are we supposed to go from here, you know? Um, I, I know that you'll speak to me. I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd of this flock. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> where do we go from here? And, well, this message is going to answer that, I hope and pray. And my hope and goal is that it will give us a clear explanation of what God wants us to do and give us direction for our lives because... Now that we have been taught and equipped and encouraged and revived, and we have been, amen, now it's time to go and to do something with it. God is speaking to us, and we must be obedient to His Word and what He's spoken to us and what He's done in our lives. You know, as we look at the story, I want you to imagine it or see it as the world that has no wine. I want you to see that for just a moment. You know, um, one of the things about uh, evangelist David Owens is that he just began to open up the Word of God and let me see it from a different dimension or different perspective. And as I was reading this and studying this this week, God said, just sit here and meditate upon this, and I, I'm going to speak through you to speak to the church. And um, uh, But as we look at this story, I want you to just for a moment see all of the characters and what's going on and imagine it for just a moment for preaching practicality that, and see it as the world that has no wine. They do not have what they need, okay? Uh, there is a party going on here or a celebration, if you will, an active activity of life. And the world is saying we have no wine because they're empty. They're empty. The world is empty. They're lacking. And they're in need. I can tell you that they don't have what we have. Amen. They don't have what we have. They don't have the life of God that we have. They don't understand, you know, uh, uh, the, the joy of the Lord. They don't understand the blessedness of the new wine and the Holy Ghost baptism. They don't understand redemption. They don't have what we have. They're in need and they're lacking. And, and we have to see that. They have no joy. They have no astonishment of the blessing of Christ. I want to just stop there for just a second and just say that when Jesus touches your life, it's astonishing. There's something that just takes place in your heart and your life. And I have found myself many times and many intervals in my life in prayer just in awe of God and how beautiful His presence is, how beautiful His grace is, how wonderful His mercy is, His love. He wraps His arms around you and you just can't even contain it. It's beyond your ability to even begin to comprehend what God does and how it feels. It's astonishing. And you know, it's a sad thing that there's people that sit in church and they do not know the astonishment of God and His love, the astonishment of His grace, the beauty of His Spirit, and how lovely it is to know Him and to serve Him. And we have here um, a, a wedding here that we're reading about, and I thought about this, and and, and I thought, you know what, they're, they're there in the celebration, they're there living their lives, and they don't even realize that the miracle worker is in their midst, and they don't even know it. 
They don't even know what's right there in their midst. If there's one thing that was revived this week, in me it was the blessedness of God and the blessedness of Christ. Amen. So beautiful. So wonderful. The joy that's unspeakable and, and full of glory flooded my spirit. The fullness of His glory. The presence of God. Almighty Lord. The joy of the Lord that is my strength. You know, I was reading today and it blessed me in Isaiah chapter 12. Pull that up there, brother. Isaiah chapter 12. Well, I'm going to have to turn there anyway because I can't see all the scriptures there. But you see it there. Isaiah chapter 12. Amen. So much for that. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 12. The scripture says, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and you comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. Are you drawing water out of the wells? With joy drawing water out of the wells of salvation. Is that your experience tonight? I ask you. Because if it's not, it can be. It should be. It must be. Amen. Because if, you, if it's not, then you're not living where you can be living or should be living in the blessing of God and salvation but he says therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation and in that day shall you say praise the Lord and call upon his name declaring his doings among the people make mention that his name is exalted sing unto the Lord for he hath done excellent things this is known in all the earth cry out and shout thou inhabitant of Zion for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. I was reading that today and I thought, Lord, this is so awesome. There is joy from the waters drawn from the well of salvation. And I know that some would say that's a millennial blessing. But church, God is not going to come and, and, and begin to toy with our emotions or our spirit and say, this is only something that you can have. No, it's something that we do have. It's something we can possess and we can have here upon this earth. We can have the joy of the Lord. We should have the joy of the Lord. <clears throat> it's a promise to us. He said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, and I'm just giving you some supporting scripture here to encourage you. But in 1 Peter 1, 8... And you got to give me a second to turn there. 1 Peter 1.8 The Bible says, Whom having not seen, yet ye love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The world doesn't have that joy, but we have that joy. Amen. We have that song of praise because we've got Jesus. They don't. We've got the joy of the Lord. We've got the wine, the new wine that comes as a, as a description or type 
of the Holy Spirit. We, we have that wine. We have that within us. Just like they said in the book of Acts. They don't have that. They're out of that. They don't have what you and I have. The world doesn't have that joy. But we have it. They don't know that Christ can change things in their midst. Amen. They don't know that He can change the blandness of their life and make it a joyful thing and a sweet thing and a beautiful thing and a blessing. They don't know that the miracle workers in their midst, they just don't know Him and they don't know the possibility that awaits before them. That's what was happening there in John chapter 2. Imagine Jesus being in your midst and you not even knowing it. What a tragedy that people live in this life bound by the devil and they don't know that they can be free. They don't know that there's a Jesus that they can know. That's why we must tell them. And if you're sitting here tonight and you're bound and you're not serving God and you're not where you know you can be, that's a tragedy for you because what you're saying is, I'm judging myself unworthy of the blessing of God. I'm judging myself that I'm not worthy, that I, I, I don't want that, but I'm not worthy of it. And you, I want you to know tonight that Jesus says you are worthy because His blood will make you worthy and does make you worthy. You and I must know tonight, don't live beneath what God has given unto you. The greatest thing you could ever do is go up to people and tell them, don't you realize what you're missing? Don't you realize that there's a life in Christ Jesus? Don't you know there's a joy? You don't have to go to bed every night and cry yourself to sleep in depression or anxiety or fears. You don't have to go to bed with emptiness. You don't have to live your life as a person who has no life, bound, depressed, tormented, but you can have a life in Christ. Oh, I don't want to be dead. I want to be alive. And I am alive. I'm alive in Christ Jesus. Almighty God. Listen. The Lord just shared this with me. He said, tell them the miracle workers in their midst and the possibility awaits for anything to happen. I can tell you, Lorenzo got filled with the Holy Ghost. In William Cardenas's garage. Right? There's people that you got touched, and it wasn't in a church service, but it was where somebody was that saw the possibility for your life, and they began to pour into your life and obey God's word and obey his prompting, and that's how you came to see that there's a change that can come. A blessing that can come. God by design set it up for a miracle to come to pass through the obedience of faithful vessels. He said to them servants, fill those water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. You know, you got to see the emptiness and the need of people at the wedding. Amen. And Christ, 
performed a miracle. But notice his method. He, God always works through vessels. Always. He's not just going to just come. And, I mean, God can do whatever he wants to do. But I've read that Bible from cover to cover and God works through people. He works through vessels. How are they going to know if you don't go tell them? How are they going to know that Jesus is alive, that He doesn't live in you and you show them? You live it before them. He always uses vessels. It irritates me when people start downgrading, you know, man in a sense. You know, I know all the glory goes to God, but God uses vessels. He uses people. Amen. He uses people. You know, you, you, there has to be a vessel He can flow through. God chose that. God chose that. You know, that was His design. And that's what he was saying here. And you got to see the, the interpretation of the scripture here in John chapter 2. The Bible's filled with human vessels that he used to perform his will and bring about the miraculous. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love this scripture. I've quoted it oftentimes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 5, it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, is what Paul was saying. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, he said, in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God shined, God commanded the light to shine out of darkness and shined it in our hearts. There was a point in time when it was dark. There was a point in time when there was nothing there but darkness. But He shined that light in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's so wonderful that we have come to a place it's not just that God brought us out of darkness into light and knowledge, but the knowledge of the only truth which is Christ Jesus and His glory. His glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Nothing is insignificant in the details. The Bible says in verse 6 that there were six water pots. Let me turn back there. There were six water pots. And he said, fill the water pots with water. Six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. I was reading this. Nothing is insignificant in detail. Six water pots. Six is the number for man. Water pots or vessels is what they were. They were wash basins for purifying because the Jews were very, very particular about keeping every detail of purifying for washing before they ate and everything that they did. And so I was reading that and I thought, Lord, they're just water buckets for purifying. And the Lord said they're just average stone pots. 
And he said, I can use average things and average people to do great and marvelous things. And that's what I do. I use people. I use people. You know, and, and when people say, you know, and I'm not here to elevate man. I'm here to tell you. People say, you know, I'm not nothing. I say, I know you're nothing. But with Christ, you are something. You're just a regular old water pot, a stone flesh water pot until God performs a miracle and He makes something beautiful of your life and what comes from your life is beautiful. It's a blessing. It's wine. He does that exchange. He does that transfer in your life. So they're just average wash buckets for purifying. Average stone pots. And God can use average things and average people. It's, you know, it's designed to serve. And what's awesome is when Christ speaks and we obey, the average object becomes a source of great blessing. And that's what He does. And he did here. He was showing them. You know, when Jesus was born, not everybody knew that he was born. Only a handful of people, only a few average nobody shepherds. But God revealed himself to the shepherds. God takes average people. Let me tell you something. We're all just normal average people in here. Amen. And you may be above average, I don't know, but you're still a human. And God still has to fill you, possess you, anoint you to use you. But He can and does come upon us as we obey Him and, and, and He uses us. And so why am I saying this tonight? Because I want you to understand the importance of your life in the working of God and, and reaching people for the kingdom. Okay? Because the devil wants to make you feel insignificant. And, and people say, well, now don't be careful before. Don't, don't be lifting man up. I'm going to tell you something right now. The Bible says, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And what he does is we were at a place where we had fallen short of the glory. But when Jesus saves us, he brings us back up into that glorious atmosphere. And that glorious place. That's why your house changed, your home changed, your marriage changed. And if it didn't, it's changing. It can change. It can be better. It must be. Amen. God can bring a glory and His presence and beauty and everything in your life. And average water pots, six of them, stands for humanity, but God begins to take that and make it spiritual. Aren't you thankful for the Spirit of God? Because if without the Spirit of God, we would just be who we were before, and we were empty water pots. We were nothing. We couldn't help nobody. You ever had people that were lost? They tried to help somebody. They don't have nothing to give. They don't have anything to say to you. They don't have the truth. They don't have the wisdom of God's Word. They don't have the counsel and the life of God to give. All they have is what comes from themselves. But when Jesus comes in, I'm telling you, wine comes out. So, everyone, let me tell everyone something tonight. Those water pots were for purifying, washing of the hands. But they were so much more. 
first of all, I want to say that God uses what He consecrates. Okay? I want to try to say this to you and you understand what I'm saying. We are to be a holy people. And He will use what He consecrates. Look at the Old Testament. He always had the, the, the utensils and the, the, all of the furniture and everything that was in the temple that was involved in sacrifice or worship. It was consecrated. It wasn't unholy. Even down to the very garment that the priests wore and what the priest had to do and the washing and everything was consecrated, okay? And so there's great focus put upon that concerning ministry. But I want to share this with you. The water pots were for purifying, but so much more. God uses what's consecrated. We're called to be holy. And I believe our first ministry unto God is to be holy. Did He not say, worship me in the beauty of holiness? That means just every day worshiping Him, giving Him glory and honor. That's a ministry in a sense. You're worshiping God. Amen. You're administering worship unto God so that you understand what I'm saying. But we're to be holy and our first ministry is to be holy and live a purified life. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, that's what it says. That we're to be holy as our Father which in heaven is holy. That's what we're supposed to be. Yet in doing that with passion, we become God's vessel to draw out and be a blessing. Amen. Amen. In doing that, our first order of business is to be a pure vessel and to be holy and separated. But church, I want you to know that that's not all that God wants out of your life. That's huge, but that's not all. I know people that the only thing that they look to do in their life is just to make sure that they're holy and they're righteous and they're pure. And that's important. But they don't do anything for the kingdom of God. And what he's saying to you and I tonight is that I want you holy, but I want you useful. I want you holy, but I want you pouring out. And if you will just walk before me and you'll stay filled and you'll obey when I speak to you, you will be used. And church, let me tell you, the first time I was saved, I was born again at 17, and I was sharing this with Brother David Owens, and I said I was 17, I was going to church, and I was there about three weeks, maybe a month, and my pastor came up to me. I didn't even know that he knew that I could sing. I had never sang in church in my life. Never. Except as a little kid. And I remember... Um, he came up to me and he said, John, he said, I want you to open up with a song. And I said, well, Brother Dennis, what do you want me to sing? I didn't even have a song on my heart. I didn't have any. He said, sing one of them songs that your dad used to do. And I said, okay. Well, the only one that I knew by heart was, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And he said, the band knows it. Let them find a key. So they found a key for me. And they began to play that song. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And I stood up there. And I stood on the side by the piano. And I began to sing that song. 
And there were women, them old Pentecostal women, they started making their way up to the front. They came up to the front, and I remember they were up there, and there was a woman, she was just worshiping God, and she was praising the Lord, and there was two or three of them up there, and people were being blessed. See, I'm going to tell you, by some people's standard, they would have said, you know what, he's a new Christian, you know, and I know that he's been saved, but he's not ready yet to be in ministry, and I know there's a proving time, we've got to know what is in people I get that I'm not saying that what I'm saying to you though is that God is not only wanting us to look pretty and be window dressed and sitting in the church he wants us to be doing something there's a world out there that needs Jesus they need Christ they need to know the joy and the glory of the Lord they need to know what it means to be saved they need to be saved they need to experience God and he said there's a lot of people. They're shining the armor but they're not using the armor. Amen. They're living a holy life but they're not being used of God like they're supposed to. We need to be more than just a, 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 a perfect pure vessel sitting on the church pew. We need to be doing something for God and impacting God, uh, impacting people for God and reaching people. Are you understanding what I'm saying tonight? So, Jesus said, fill the water pots. And when Jesus gives the orders to be filled, it's always Spirit-filled. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to tell people, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't just want to save you, but He wants to fill you. Because He wants to use you. Because when you're filled, you're going to be used. He said, he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be a witness. God's called us to be witnesses. Because that w- the world needs a witness of Christ. They need to see a witness of Christ. That He's done something in their life, in your life. And He can do it for them. It's water in and wine out. You know... I want you just to see this for just a second. This is not a very good analogy, but it's all I got. That old cow will eat that grass. But he doesn't eat that grass just for no reason. There is a transfer that takes place in that cow. and When it's all said and done, there's a milk that comes as a byproduct or as a product from what has been taken in the spirit of god comes in he fills us and then he wants us to begin to give and be a blessing to be something that's nourishing to people that's that's a blessing that's a a fruit of our life you know that's why every day that you pray and you read the word it's not in vain you may think you know what i read something today but you know it really wasn't used today i didn't run into somebody that i needed to share that with or whatever but god's depositing that in you because there's going to come a moment whenever you're going to draw that from the storehouse that you've sown to and you're going to be able to use it to be a blessing to speak the word of god He said, fill them water pots up. Water in, wine out. And this is in no way a green light for alcohol. I don't think I have an issue with that tonight in here, but I'm just going to say this. 
and make sure that you understand this. Christ, who is incorruptible, would never have created corruption that defiles. People say, well, that's, that's the one place that everybody always goes to to say it's okay to drink alcoholic drink because Jesus turned water into wine. I said, first of all, I said, onos, it, it was fermented or non-fermented. It, it's a very vague Greek word, okay? You don't know if it's either or, but I'm going to tell you, God would not say unto you and I that drunkenness will keep you from the kingdom of heaven and then have created something that's defiled with leaven, defiled with something that's fermented, that has produced up to this date probably 20 million alcoholics in the United States alone. And alcohol destroys lives terribly, kills people, destroys families, causes men to come home and beat their wives and beat their children, spend everything they've got, causes them, as the Bible says in Proverbs, to look at strange women or, or, or do things that they would never do in a sober mind and a right mind. So I'm just going to tell you right now, everybody's out of gas when they come to me and they say that. Jesus turned water into wine. I said, well, first of all, let me give you this little tidbit. I said, he would not create something that he preached against. And he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He talked about level, leaven leveling the whole lump. How a little bit of yeast can change the whole dynamic of that lump of, of, of flour and a dough, rather. And I said, he's not going to make something corruptible, you know, whenever he's perfect and incorruptible. It's not going to happen. Unspiritual people don't get that. But we understand that. You discern the Word of God and you understand it and it's interpreted unto you through the Spirit of God. Everything's filtered through the blood. Everything's, everything comes by way of the Spirit, the interpretation and understanding. And uh, I even heard somebody say, Jesus said, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine until He comes again. The marriage supper of the Lamb. So, he ain't drinking and you're not drinking either. People will say all kinds of things. I said, you know, there's like 95, 98% of what the Bible says about alcoholic drink is in a negative context. And they take the little 2 or 3%. The one scripture about Timothy, you know, needing a little wine for stomach's sake. I said they had horrible water, number one, so that's why he said that. Number two, I said we've got Imodium AD and Pepto-Bismol. You don't need a little wine. You need a little Jesus, amen. That's what you need. Amen. We have much better water sources and all of these things. So what I'm trying to say to you today is that whenever he's... Turning the water into wine, it's not something that is defiling or incorruptible. It was a beautiful display of what the miracle that takes place when God begins to touch and perform a miracle, speak, and a, more, a miracle come to pass. It's representing the, 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 the Holy Spirit and the beauty of all of that and the blessedness. And I can tell you, there's something wonderful and awesome about the Holy Spirit. We felt Him this week. We felt Him tonight. I feel Him right now. Amen. But the new wine has the spiritual outpouring in view. 
And our call is to be filled and then dispense what God has done in our lives. The miracle was in their obedience. Now get this, because I'm not going to preach all night. But the miracle was in their obedience. The servants began to do what Jesus told them to do. Go and fill the water pots up. They filled them up to the brim. And then he just said, begin to dispense. He didn't say, watch this. Boom. Their wine. He said, start dipping out. I believe when they put that, le- that, that little uh, ladle down in there, if they had a ladle or something, a cup or whatever, I believe it was clear, water clear. And when they scooped it in their obedience, and as soon as they began to pour it out, it turned, I mean, Red wine, burgundy, blush, whatever the color of that grape is, it turned into that. It was in their obedience. And what I think is so awesome, and listen, is that, is that the miracle was in their obedience. And the servants had an insider view, revelation, and perspective that nobody else had. There is something that we know about God. We know how he can change a life. We know the power of God. We know as a Holy Ghost filled person when there's a demon possessed person in our midst. You know. I'm going to tell you something. We know. We have an inside, insider viewpoint, an insider perspective, a discernment. We have it because we're in touch with Christ. We're in touch with his spirit. We're in tune. And so they knew what nobody else knew. So what God is trying to say to you is that you know what they need. You know the answer is they need a miracle from God. They need a miracle from Christ. And they don't know anything about the blessing of God, but they're going to find out because I'm going to show them as he works through me to do that. So just keep allowing the Spirit of God to flow through you and minister to your family, your friends, your coworkers, your schoolmates. Everywhere you go, let Christ begin to flow through you and minister to a world that needs the miracle of Christ in their life. So we must know God has to perform a miracle and we are involved in the ministration of that miracle to bring an astonishment in verse 9. He was astonished when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. He knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew and the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. He said, I'm absolutely astonished Amen. He didn't say that, but he was. He said, every man at the beginning does set forth the good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. And I believe the good wine was the fresh grape juice they just squeezed. Absolutely. Amen. Can nobody tell me wine tastes good? It don't. You can say, oh, it does. It does not. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's horrible. Beer don't taste good. Wine don't taste good. And if you think it does, you need to come up here and have God heal your taste buds. It's not good. But grape juice, I can drink that all day long. It's sweet. It tastes great. Amen. It's beautiful. I drink that cran grape. I got... All that grape juice left over from camp, amen. Drinking all that stuff. Somebody's got to drink it before it goes bad. And I'm drinking that stuff. I drink it, take my vitamins. I, it tastes awesome. Wine does not. 
No. People say, well, I think it does. Well, you need to get saved. Amen. I'm just being honest with you. I ain't tiptoeing around the tulips. I'm just going to be honest with you and just be straight. God must perform a miracle. And we've got to know that we're involved in that ministration of it to bring an astonishment, the blessing that only Jesus can give. Only Jesus can give. This is the critical moment for the servants of God and the lost world that we live in. We are the servants that are to fill up that water, uh, fill up that vessel full of water. Just plain old average stone water pots that are just trying to live pure before God and righteously. But he said, in the process of that, I'm going to use you to be a blessing and minister life and salvation because you're going to tell them and share with them how beautiful it is, the love of God. This is the critical moment. It's our finest hour, the church's finest hour. We've been filled, and now it's time to pour out. It's time to manifest His glory. He said that in verse 11. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth His glory, and His disciples believed on Him. The greatest point, if you don't get anything else, is this. The greatest point in this miracle that took place is that his disciples knew and were realizing and believing he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Amen. He is the Messiah. Maybe they weren't ready and prepared to surrender everything unto him and say even down to our life even though Peter said that he wasn't willing to step up and really truly when it, when he was confronted with it really truly stand for Christ he denied him three times denied him but we know that we focus only on the miracle but the greatest thing is that it says here that it manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him People need to know and believe in Christ and they do that as we begin to share the truth and we walk in the spirit of truth and share the gospel with them. The very fact that the water blushed at the sight of the word of God shows His glory, His effect on His creation. Amen. I've had people say because that person, when they, when, when they got saved and their life was changed, I, I was so impacted by what God did in their life that I could not deny the reality that God is real. That you or I could be converted and such noticeable change came that men would say they're so different in change speaks of the beauty and the nature of the Almighty God that brings change to everything He touches all that has to happen is Jesus has to step in. That's it. That's all. May His glory be seen and manifested in us to show forth His glory and His goodness and His irrefutable existence. Several years ago, and I've shared this and I'm going to close with this, but several years ago, I was going to the, the jails quite a bit. And, you know, we were supposed to, when somebody was not there to fill in for them, and I would go, and the Spirit of God would move, and we'd go, and I'd play guitar. And, and, and we had people that were still contacting us 
10 years later, they were writing letters to Grandma Jeline and, and a man that had been moved to another penitentiary. He's probably out now, but his name was Joe. I remember the first time we went in there and I just began to sing, just singing, you know, uh, at, uh, um, uh, just singing the old rugged cross and at the cross. And as I was singing, tears just streamed down his face. It impacted him forever. He's never been the same. But I remember I was asked to go and to fill in for another chaplain. So I went, and he said, I asked him what mod it was, and he told me it was mod I. I said, okay. He said, you got to go at 1 o'clock. And I thought, why not the evening? He said, that's the time you go. So I went in there. He's on vacation. I went in there, and, and they, they started walking through the door. And I thought, I didn't know they had women on this men's side. Well, they weren't women. You get what I'm saying? And they kept walking in, and I thought, oh, Lord. I'm in the PC ward here with all of the, you know what, here I am. And I'm just looking and I thought, Lord. And uh, there's about eight inmates in there. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me because I got to tell them the truth, but I got to love them too. And, 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 and I'm asking you to just come upon me and I'm standing there and I said Lord come upon me he said just start singing just start playing and singing I started singing and I watched his men in there some of them were in the process of a transition and change uh, you know because they were transgender or transvestite they were changing this was years ago and I'm singing and they're crying and they're weeping and um some of them, just, just men, they looked normal. They were there probably because they were, you know, uh, sex offenders, child sex offenders or whatever. And so I'm just sitting there playing and singing. And I preached to them and I told them, this life is not right. God can deliver you. The miracle can take place in your life. And I preached to them the truth and I preached to them the love of God. And I did it with love and I did it with grace. And, um, and it was like 50-50. 50% of them were weeping and receiving it. The other 50 were mad, folding their arms. They didn't want to hear it. I left that day. And uh, about two months later, I got a letter in the mail. The man wrote me and he said, this is his words. God uses vessels. He uses you. He uses me. This man said, when you walked in there and you started playing that song, um, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He said, I could not stop crying. I felt God's spirit and his love so powerful. He's writing this letter to me. And he said, it was like Jesus walked in the room and was singing to us and talking to us. And he said, I don't know if I'll ever see you again, but I want to thank you because I went back to my cell. I cried out to God. And he said, I got saved that night. <laughs> Fast forward about five years ago, four years ago, something like that. It had been five years ago. This man walks to the door. He's looking for Pastor Jonathan. 
you know, my ushers, they're posted. They're like, who is this guy? He's, he come on pretty, pretty strong. He really wants to get in touch with you. So I said, bring him, you know, I'm much bigger than him. Come on. He said, do you remember me? And I said, no, I don't. He said, you came to Mod I at Theo Lacey. And he said, you sang, created me a clean heart. You preached. And he said, I got saved that night. And he said, I kept this paper, this voice of victory paper that you brought with all the songs on it. I kept it and I never lost it. I never lost your address. And he said, I promised myself when I get out, I'm going to find you. And he said, I misplaced the paper. But he said, I was going through my stuff. I've been out for a year, I think he said. I misplaced the paper and I found it. And he said, so I came here today because I wanted to just talk to you and just thank you. And he said, I'm going to church. I'm working in the church. I'm playing on the uh, worship team. And he said, I just wanted to come by and just thank you. And I said, you know what? We need to thank God because it's ultimately God. I'm just a vessel. But you know, it so blessed me that he would use any one of us as a vessel to, to minister. And he does, and he will. And, and you know, when you, it's kind of like what, what, what uh, Evangelist David said. You know, whenever God begins to bless you, what it does is it elevates the giver. He's the giver. And so when somebody gets saved and he uses a person like, an average person like me, he, it, 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 it brings glory unto God and it, it points us to him and it elevates the giver even greater than he already is. It brings the greatest attention to him. And so I'm rejoicing with him. He came a couple times and I never saw him again. But I said all this to say this to you. God did something in us. Let's maintain that consistency and stay filled up with the Holy Ghost and begin to be used by him because I can tell you that pulpit and me preaching in that pulpit is not the only ministry that goes on in this church. It's what you do on street ministry, jail ministry, what you're doing as you minister to people in your neighborhood, on your jobs. Kevin was sitting telling us about how that, you know, he was this week ministering. He had to go to a job conference or meeting or whatever, and he's there talking to people on the things that God was doing. Brother, exactly what I preached tonight is exactly what you were doing. It's a perfect example of how somebody filled up begins to pour out, and they're a blessing. And, and people that you barely even know, they're hugging you going, man, I love you. They love the Spirit of God in you. They don't even know you, but they know the God in you is real and true. And it's, it's the language to their longing down deep in their soul. And so I just want you to know, stay full. See this scripture far more uh, revealing than what's right there on the surface. God wants to use his people to be his hand extended. And he will. Let's stay full. Let's be a blessing. Let's be a blessing, okay? Let's take what God has done. He revived us not so we can go, whoo, I got, you know, goosebumps. Well, big woo. 
What are you doing with your goosebumps? <laughs> what are you doing with what God did? What are you doing? Are you making an impact? Are you sharing that with somebody? Is that overflowing and being a ministry to somebody else? Don't think, well, you know, I got, I got this blessing from God, but now what? Just begin to walk in obedience. Just live and watch as it begins to be a blessing to everybody you're around. Amen. Father, tonight I thank you for this week. Lord, you have been so awesome. And Lord, we were prophetically, we were prophesied as a church too. We, were, we, we heard prophecy, Lord, of what you're going to do. And I know that I know that I know that there were some eternal things that happened in this meeting this week. The script was flipped. God, there was a change that came. There was a, a challenge that came. There was faith, Lord, that was uh, put in us and given to us by you, Lord, through the word. And, and what you did was, Lord, you activated it by your spirit in the altar. And Lord, as we began to move from this place, let us not just say it was a great week, we were blessed. No, this is a life changer, a, 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 a time where the chapter, the page is flipped and there's a new chapter in our life. We're in a new season and a new day and a time. God, let us dispense the joy, the wine, the spirit, the miracle working power and blessing of God. I can't explain it any other way, but God, a miracle has to take place in people's lives. Let the Holy Spirit and the power of God flow through us to a lost world. God, because how will they ever know if we don't tell them? Freely we have received, freely we must give. Help us to have a conviction. God, and not just a conviction, but a faith and a, a mandate, a directive from heaven. Go into all the world. You're the servants of the Lord. Go into all the world, full of the Holy Ghost, and minister to people. Because as I have always said, God, Jesus, you are the answer for us for salvation and redemption. But you've chosen a church to be the answer to the world. God, let us take that and run with it. In Jesus' name, I thank you and praise you. Bless this congregation. Bring us back on Sunday. We thank you and praise you. Amen and amen. God bless you tonight.